Thank you so much uh, to the team who have led us in, in sung praise. And, and as we turn to God's word now, we continue to, to praise him uh, through hearing his word and therefore hoping to leave here then to live his word. And um, as I mentioned this morning, I, w- I would love to turn to Revelation chapter 1. Uh, so please do find your way there if that's possible, either in the physical Bibles around you or that you've brought with you or on your device, um, Revelation chapter 1. But as we consider holiness and love, I want to I share from God's word here to help us consider the holy and loving God that we worship and not just worship through song, although that is one of the ways in which the Bible commands us to, to give God praise. But this is the God who calls us to worship in all that we do and at all times because he is holy and loving and many other things. And so as Revelation chapter one uh, will help us to see uh, th- this wonderful God who we come to worship, his son who came to save us, and the spirit who indwells us. Um, but as we turn to Revelation, I wonder what your initial thoughts are as you turn to Revelation. Um, what comes to mind when you think of that book, if you've engaged with it before? Some of us may be familiar with this, this book and, and thoroughly enjoy the, the rich imagery and the eschatology, which is the, the teaching of the end times. The, we love that about Revelation. And to be honest, some of us might be terrified of exactly the same thing. The, the imagery we, we, we find confusing. The end times teaching, we're not sure how to, how to, to, to live that out in the here. And, and so some of us, I, I think wrongly, yet some of us find it easier to leave Revelation to the end. <coughs> Quite literally. Uh, and so maybe we don't engage. Maybe we, we, we stay clear of this wonderful, rich, God-inspired, good for us. Uh, section of God's word to, to engage with. And so hopefully as we, as we turn there, we will find that this evening. Um, and however we, we have engaged with Revelation previously, uh, we, we are going to look at chapters 2 and 3 primarily throughout the summer. So as we gather for our Sunday morning worship, and that's how we're going to be spending most of those weeks, looking at the letters that Christ writes to the church and has given to John to pass on. Uh, and so the, the series that we're going to f- follow through um, is going to be called Can You Hear It? Because time and time again, throughout the letters, Jesus himself says, whoever hears these words, let them put them into practice. Whoever hears, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so we ask, as we read, hear these words again, will we hear them in the way that they are intended to? And so I want us to look at chapter 1 tonight before we launch into the summer, because actually to, to... to better understand and grasp the, the letters in chapters 2 and 3, we need to understand who they're being sent from. We need to understand the sender. And the sender is displayed for us in chapter 1. It is Christ himself. And so we, let's read our way through the majority of chapter 1. And we're just going to stop periodically and take note of what God speaks to us about as we see the holiness and love of our triune, eternal, and almighty God. And so uh, let's begin by reading Revelation 1. Uh, We'll just read the first three verses to begin with. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it. Because the time is near. And so right at the outset of this book, we are told that this is the revelation from Jesus Christ. Other translations will have the revelation of Jesus Christ. The point is, Revelation is a book about Jesus. 
It is a book about Jesus. It is from him and it is about him. He is the source of this revelation and he is also the content of that revelation. It is from him and of him. And this is important for us to understand the whole book and indeed the letters that will come because we need to remember what John records for us here is is a divinely inspired vision. It is of divine origin. Our friend Stephen Whitmer has said, that this introduction shows us that the book of Revelation is of divine origin and therefore is a source of divine blessing for those who hear and obey it. And isn't that clear from verse 3? Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written. Isn't that language that reminds us of James 1.22? That don't just be hearers of the word but doers also. The person who hears this revelation and then lives their lives in the light of it will be blessed. It's not enough just to simply read and move on or hear and move on. No, we, we read, we hear, and we listen and do. And it's a response of our whole lives, not just because of its complexity and its beauty in, in what we see here, but we do that because this is a revelation from or of Jesus Christ. Jesus gives this revelation. And so for those of us who follow him, this, these are words like all scripture that we need to take and hear and do. If we move on then through verses 4 to 6. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. See, this is a... Here we, we're given an insight into something that we're going to see repeated throughout the book and indeed in the, the letters that we see in the first three chapters. And it's this idea of, of the number seven as, as a sign and as a, as a representation of completion or perfection. And so there's, there's seven churches here, yes. The seven churches we'll see in a moment are named. The seven churches actually, when you work your way through one of your maps at the back of the Bible, if you have one, you will see that this is actually a very logical circle in which they would have been distributed. These were real people, real places that would have heard these words within the first century. Yet they also represent Christ's letter to his church universally and globally. And it's the same as we see there with the seven spirits before his throne. That that is not saying that there are seven Holy Spirits. No, there is one spirit who is perfect, complete. And so so in this section, in these few verses, we see the beauty of the Trinity at play. We see the Father as the one from 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 him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the Spirit and from Jesus Christ, the Father, Spirit and Son. This is, this is, these are words that we need to take seriously because of who is sending them. And then to reflect again on those, message, on those verses that we looked at during communion this morning, don't we need to see the, the, the wonderful sense of worship and admiration that we are taken to when we consider Christ in verses 5 and 6? Christ, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom of priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. To him who loves us, as we've been thinking about and singing about this, this is our Savior who loves, and he has freed us from our sins, and he has made us to be a kingdom and a priest. This is again both the holiness and the love of God. 
And, and Jesus is the one who rightly and, and forever will receive all praise and all honor to him. Be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. So Jesus and his praise is the goal of the revelation. What Jesus shows us here, this revelation that we receive from him is to lead us to his praise. And then, as we look from verse 12, we'll skip a few verses. If we look to verse 12, we, we gaze upon this triumphant, resurrected Jesus. who now stands before John. And John tries to, to put into words and to write for us what he sees. And the description that we see here is going to be really important because there's elements of how Jesus is described throughout chapter 1 which reappear at the introduction of each of the seven letters that will follow. And there's something significant about each and every one of those details and we'll unpack those in the weeks to come. But let's read verses 12 down to verse 19. So I turned, this is John speaking now, his eyewitness account, I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out from his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death. And here he is. Isn't this a, a wonderful picture, an incredible picture of the majesty and the authority of, and the resurrected glory of our Savior? And as I said, elements of this description will come through as we work our way through chapters 2 and 3. But for now, let us see King Jesus, the Holy One, the One who was dead and now is alive, the first and the last. And let's, with, with all that we can, let's see him in all his glory as God shows us here through his word. And, and as we do so, as we see Jesus in this glory, what other response is there other than to John, join John on the floor? This is the holiness of God, the holiness of Christ. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. That, that, that is the response before a holy God and without Christ we, 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 we know or we would know the full force of that holiness in an eternal punishment against our sin yet because Christ came because he died in our place because of his great love for us then we can know forgiveness from sin we can be set free from our sins by his blood and this is good news. And so the holy God is also, he doesn't diminish his holiness in order to show his love. But the holy God demonstrates his love to John, coming alongside, putting his right hand on me and saying, do not be afraid. You see, we are welcomed into the presence of this holiness when we know forgiveness from our sin. Do not be afraid. And he is able to say that because 
He was dead, and now look, I am alive forevermore. He holds the keys of death and Hades. He is victorious over sin and death and the eternity to come. This is our glorious Savior. And this is the one who now sends these seven letters to the churches. And so he is holy, yes, dangerously so, if we come before him in unrepentance. And he is loving, yes, And because he loved, he then made a way for us to be forgiven. And he has freed us from our sin. This is our our great and awesome and, and utterly worthy Lord. And so over the weeks to come, as we hear the words that he says to his church, let's pray that we would not just hear them, but as we read in verse three, we would take to heart or we would obey. We would live these words, not just hear them. We would do them. And therefore, may our lives be offered as as a sacrifice of worship to this great king. This great king who is wonderfully holy, wonderfully loving. Not sometimes one and sometimes the other, perfectly both at all times. This is our great God. And this is the God who came. And this is the one who provided hope that we can know in eternity with him. Let me pray and then we're going to sing. Christ, our hope in life and death, indeed he is. Let let me pray together and the, the, the praise team can come forward. Father, we thank you. Thank you for this revelation that you have given. Not just the, the chapters that follow, but even now in chapter one, as we have gazed upon Christ, as we see him in all his resurrected glory and majesty, we thank you. We thank you that we can approach the throne of grace because of his mercy, because of his forgiveness, because he came in order to take the penalty of my sin so that I can be then forgiven when I come to you in repentance and faith. Thank you, Father. And I pray that over these weeks and indeed this evening as we we reflect and marvel at who you are, the great and glorious King, that you would indeed encourage us challenge us, rebuke us, and spur us on, that we would hear the message that you want to give and then live that out in a world that watches on, that so desperately needs you. Help us, Father, we pray. Thank you for the hope that you have given us in Jesus Christ. We pray that you would be glorified as we sing. Amen.